Chapter 14 of Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tommy Hersant, Carlsbad, California. Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready, by Horatio Alger, Jr., Chapter 14. How Rufus Succeeded in Business very little has been said of rufus in his business relations when he entered mr turner's office he resolved to spare no pains to make himself useful and his services satisfactory to his employer he knew very well that he owed his situation entirely to the service which he had accidentally been able to do mr turner and that otherwise the latter would never have thought of selecting an office-boy from the class to which he belonged. But Rufus was resolved that, whatever might have been his original motive, he should never regret the selection he had made. Therefore he exerted himself, more than under ordinary circumstances he would have done, to do his duty faithfully. He tried to learn all he could of the business, and therefore listened attentively to all that was going on, and in his leisure moments studied up the stock quotations, so that he was able generally to give the latest quotations of prices of the prominent stocks in the market. Mr. Turner, who was an observant man, watched him quietly and was pleased with his evident pains to master the details of the business. "'If Rufus keeps on, Mr. Marston,' he said to his chief clerk one day, "'he will make an excellent businessman in time.' "'He will indeed,' said the clerk. "'He is always prompt and doesn't need to be told of the same thing twice. "'Besides, he has picked up a good deal of outside information. "'He corrected me yesterday on a stock quotation.' "'He did me a great service at one time, "'and I mean to push him as fast as he will bear it. "'I have a great mind to increase his pay to ten dollars a week at once.' He has a little sister to take care of, and ten dollars a week won't go far in these times. Plenty of boys can be got for less, of course, but he is one in a hundred. It is better to pay him ten dollars than most boys five. In accordance with this resolution, when Rufus, who had gone to the bank, returned, Mr. Turner called him. Rufus supposed it was to receive some new order and was surprised when, instead, his employer inquired, "'How is your little sister, Rufus?' Oh, "'Very well, thank you, sir.' Uh, "'Have you a comfortable boarding place?' Uh, "'Yes, sir.' "'How much board do you pay?' Uh, Eight dollars a week for both of us, sir.' "'That takes up the whole of your salary, doesn't it?' "'Yes, sir.' "'But I have invested the money I had in a stationery store on Sixth Avenue "'and get a third of the profits. "'With that I buy clothes for myself and sister "'and pay any other expenses we may have.' "'I see you are a great financier, Rufus. "'I was not aware that you had a business outside of mine. "'How long have you been with me?' "'About four months, sir.' "'Your services have been quite satisfactory. 
I took you into the office for other reasons, but I feel satisfied, by what I have noticed of you, that it will be well worth my while to retain your services.' "'Thank you, sir,' said Rufus. He was exceedingly gratified at this testimony, as he had reason to be, for he had already learned that Mr. Turner was an excellent businessman, and bore a high reputation in business circles for probity and capacity. "'I intended at the end of six months,' pursued Mr. Turner, uh, "'to raise your pay to ten dollars a week, if you suited me. "'But I may as well anticipate two months. "'Mr. Marston, you will hereafter pay Rufus ten dollars a week.' Uh, "'Very well, sir.' "'I am very much obliged to you, Mr. Turner,' said Rufus gratefully. "'I didn't expect to have my pay raised for a good while, "'for I knew that I received more already than most office boys. "'I have tried to do my duty, and shall continue to do so.' "'That is the right way, Rufus,' said his employer kindly. "'It will be sure to win success. "'You are working not only for me,' but most of all for yourself. You are laying now the foundation of future prosperity. When an opportunity occurs, I shall promote you from the post of errand boy to a clerkship, as I judge from what I have seen that you will be quite competent to fill such a position. This intelligence was, of course, very gratifying to Rufus. He knew that, as yet, he was on the lowest round of the ladder, and he had a commendable desire to push his way up. He saw that Mr. Turner was well disposed to help him, and he resolved that he would deserve promotion. When he returned home to supper, he carried to Miss Manning and Rose the tidings of his increase of pay, and the encouraging words which had been spoken by Mr. Turner. "'I am not surprised to hear it, Rufus,' said Miss Manning. "'I felt sure you would try to do your duty, and I knew you had the ability to succeed.' "'Oh, thank you for your good opinion of me,' said Rufus. "'I can tell you someone else who has a good opinion of you,' said Miss Manning. Uh, "'Who is it?' "'Mrs. Clifton. She said this afternoon that she considered you one of the most agreeable and wittiest young men she was acquainted with. "'Well, I suppose I ought to blush,' said Rufus, "'but blushing isn't in my line. I hope Mr. Clifton won't hear of it. He might be jealous.' "'He doesn't seem much inclined that way,' said Miss Manning. At this moment Mrs. Clifton herself entered. "'Good evening, Mr. Rushton,' she said. "'Where do you think I called to this afternoon?' "'I couldn't guess. "'At your store in Sixth Avenue. "'Oh, I hope you bought something. "'I expect my friends to patronize me.' "'Oh, yes. "'I bought a package of envelopes. "'I told Mr. Black I was a friend of yours, "'so he let me have it at the wholesale price. Well, "'Then I'm afraid I didn't make anything on that sale.' "'When I want some dry goods, may I tell your husband that I am a friend of yours, "'and ask him to let me have it at the wholesale price?' "'Oh, certainly. 
that I shall take an early opportunity to buy a spool of cotton. Oh, can you sew? I never took in any fine work to do, but if you've got any handkerchiefs to him, I'll do it on reasonable terms. How witty you are, Mr. Rushton! I am glad you think so, Mrs. Clifton. I never found anyone else who could appreciate me. Several days had passed since the accidental encounter with Martin outside of the Academy of Music. Rufus began to hope that he had gone out of the city, though he hardly expected it. Such men as Martin prefer to live from hand to mouth in a great city, rather than go to the country, where they would have less difficulty in earning an honest living. At any rate, he had successfully baffled Martin's attempts to learn where Rose and he were boarding, but he knew his stepfather too well to believe that he had got rid of him permanently. He had no doubt he would turn up sooner or later, and probably give him additional trouble. He turned up sooner than Rufus expected. The next morning, when on the way from the bank with a tin box containing money and securities, he suddenly came upon Martin standing in front of the general post office, with a cigar in his mouth. The respectable appearance which Martin presented in his new clothes filled Rufus with wonder, and he could not avoid staring at his stepfather with surprise. "'Ilo,' said Martin, his eye lighting up with malicious pleasure. "'So you didn't know me, eh?' Uh, "'No,' said Rufus. "'I'm in business now.' Oh, "'I'm glad to hear it,' said Rufus. "'I get a hundred dollars a month. "'I'm glad you are prosperous, Mr. Martin. "'Maybe you'll be more willing to own the relationship now.' "'I'm glad for your sake only,' said Rufus. "'I can take care of Rose well enough alone. "'But I must be going.' "'All right, I'll go along with you.' "'I am in a hurry,' said Rufus uneasily. "'I can walk as fast as you,' said Martin maliciously. "'Seeing you're my stepson, I'd like to know what sort of a place you've got.' The street being free to all, Rufus could not shake off his unwelcome companion, nor could he evade him, as it was necessary for him to go back to the office at once.' He consoled himself, however, by the reflection that at any rate Martin wouldn't find out his boarding-place, of which he was chiefly afraid, as it might affect the safety of Rose. "'What have you got in that box?' asked Martin. "'I don't care to tell,' said Rufus. "'I know well enough. It's money and bonds. You're in a broker's office, ain't you?' "'I can't stop to answer questions,' said Rufus coldly. "'I'm in a hurry.' "'I'll find out in spite of you,' said Martin. "'You can't dodge me as easy as last time. "'I ain't so poor as I was. Do you see that?' "'As he spoke, he drew out a roll of bills. Uh, "'They were counterfeit, but Rufus, of course, was not aware of that, "'and displayed them. "'Our hero was certainly astonished at this display of wealth "'on the part of his stepfather, "'and was puzzled to understand how, in the brief interval since he last saw him, "'he could have become so favoured by fortune. "'But his conjectures were interrupted by his arrival at the office. "'Turner!' repeated Martin to himself, observing the sign. "'So this is where my dutiful stepson is employed. "'Well, I'm glad to know it. "'It'll come in handy some day.' "'So saying, 
he lighted a fresh cigar and sauntered away with the air of a man of independent means who had come down to Wall Street to look after his investments. End of chapter 14